From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Uh, good evening to you, wherever you may be. Uh, welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas with you. Great to have you with us, no matter where you are in the world. An exciting, uh, Elaine, as we have yes. listeners in Iraq and uh, Israel and all just uh, Compton. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, all, mm-hmm. all, over, all over the world. <laughs> Great to have you with us. Just a reminder, friends, if you'd like to find out more about opportunities to serve, you can check our website, our daily update page, www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy icon thingy there, and we'll take you right to the uh, daily update page. And uh, also remember, you can always call us at area code 209-544-9571. That's area code 209-544-9571. Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And in just a few minutes, we'll be introducing you to uh, Stanislaw County. I was going to say the new DA. You you've been in office for a while now, Birgit mm-hmm. Flatiger. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a it, and uh, so it's not really a, a new position for you, but uh, a recent one. And uh, we want to explore uh, uh, your feelings about uh, taking over that uh, that new role. What's happening in Stanislaw County, and uh, we also want to talk a little bit about the faith based community and partnering with government and how important that is. So we'll get to that in just a few moments. Right now, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. Last year, Jaja Aling, a volunteer youth pastor in the Indonesian village of Poso, was riding in a car with seven other Christians when a bomb was detonated inside the vehicle. Six of the believers died instantly. Both of Jaja's legs were amputated below the knees. A medical team from the Voice of the Martyrs brought him to a hospital where he received intensive treatment and prosthetic legs. Jaja can no longer work as a cocoa farmer to support his family, but is still committed to evangelism. He told us, never give up on spreading the gospel. I'll share the good news even with my enemies. For more stories of unstoppable faith, go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live again, Elaine. Isn't it amazing? Mm -hmm. You know, we often talk about the fact that uh, the church is probably never stronger than when it's being persecuted. And uh, these stories are quite inspirational. Again, you're listening to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with uh, Elaine Harlan, Al Ramsey, and our special guest today, uh, Stanislaw County's District Attorney, Brigitte Flatiger, and we'll be uh, talking to her in just a couple of minutes. 
Right now, though, let's check in on another legal issue with our friend Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Atheists have been suing the city of San Diego for almost two decades over a war memorial cross on public land. Last year, a court order to remove the cross from Mount Soledad was reversed when President Bush and Congress acquired the land where the cross sits. Now, another lawsuit was filed, but it was almost completely invalidated last week due to a Pacific Justice Institute amicus filing. The court also noted that there is nothing inherently wrong with a cross on public land. This epic legal battle is ending with the Mount Soledad War Memorial Cross still standing. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. Just a reminder, friends, uh, Brad Dacus is coming with his crew from up and down the state uh, on February 12th. From uh, We'll have registration at 9.30 in the morning. The seminar runs from 10 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, one of the most important things about that, pastors, is we'll feed you. <laughs> you know, that's always <laughs> that it. Kind of you get fast. Pastors or cops together, you got to feed them, you know. Of course. And so anyway, we'll provide you with a little continental breakfast there as you're coming in for registration. And then, uh, the, and, you know, the antithesis uh, mm-hmm. to there's no free lunch. There will be a free lunch yeah. that, that day. And uh, some great information as well. Those who attended last year were absolutely effusive about it. Mm. It was an absolutely incredible, incredible time. If you're a, a business administrator, a senior pastor, even a staff pastor, uh, if you're running a, a nonprofit or a ministry, uh, maybe you're uh, on the board of a Christian school, whatever it might be, uh, this seminar is really, really uh, important for you. They go over everything, uh, uh, HR resources, uh, laws that are affecting the faith-based community now, uh, lots of great information and, and fun, too. Yes. We and and w- with, with all, all due respect to our a guest here. You wouldn't think that getting all those attorneys in one room, we could have a lot of fun, Brigitte, but we do. Generally, it's not fun. <laughs> it's a blast. It actually is, is a great time. And you can reserve your spot now. It's limited seating. There are only 150 spots that we can have available. And I know a lot of people from last year are going to be uh, coming back. So we encourage you to reserve now. You simply need to call us and let us know that you'd like to be part of the Pacific Justice Institute seminar on February 12th. Give us a call, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Or email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's info at vibrantcommunities.org. Take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way, where the city of Modesto is getting ready, gearing up for the annual celebration of Lights Parade. And you know this is going to take place on Saturday, December 1st, 5.30 in downtown Modesto, and we are so ready for this, are we not? We're going to be there. We're going to be there. Yeah, watch for the Each big fire engine. Yes, a big watch fire for the really this. cool fire. <laughs> I hear a bunch of fire engines, right, Mr. L? Watch for the cool one. 1960 American LaFrance, Detroit Ooh, diesel engine just oh, purring down I the road you, there. Friend, uh, but I digress. So cool. Go ahead. You do dress. Were you trying to no, no, go I just, somewhere with No, that? I love this okay. because we're all into this. The ABC That's family, right. as it were, we just get all into this. And friends, we just uh, can't wait to see you. The, uh, busting red lights, right? 
we just we so look forward to this uh, all of the ABC family dear friends and uh, just look forward to the thousands of spectators uh, who will enjoy this year's storybook holiday theme it's going to be featuring local children's authors as grand marshals. Approximately 70 volunteers, this is where you come in, okay, uh, are needed to help out with parade setup, uh, strategic placement of the floats in the staging area, route marshals, and security barricades and road closures. Uh, volunteers must be at least 18 years of age and able to stand for long periods of time and uh, available from 1230 until 7 uh, in the evening. All volunteers are asked to attend the orientation lunch at 1230, and I assume that is free, so that'll be a good thing. And that's uh, prior to the parade, of course, and then you'll be receiving a, commem- a commemorative event T-shirt, and so that'll be a fun thing as well. So we hope that you will be there. We look forward to seeing you. Also, the city of Turlock will be having a Christmas parade, and uh, this special holiday kickoff comes uh, to town on the 7th, and that'll be at 730 there, and it travels through downtown Turlock, starting at Main and Canal Streets, and as you might guess, volunteers are needed there as well to line up parade participants and help out with all of those kinds of uh, parade-type activities there as well. Uh, The Central Valley Homeless Veterans are gearing up for their Thanksgiving feast, and that is scheduled for Thursday, November 22nd on Thanksgiving Day from 4 in the afternoon for residents at the Modesto facility. Volunteers are needed to help out with the preparation and serving of the traditional Thanksgiving dinner for 20 residents uh, to set up and clean up. Uh, The shift starts at 11 in the morning uh, for dinner preparation from 3 to 5 to serve dinner. Donations of turkeys, uh, holiday treats, cooked or uncooked, Uh, items and financial assistance is also needed. The Central Valley Homeless Veterans is a non-for-profit organization providing a drug and alcohol-free environment that offers uh, uh, transitional emergency and temporary housing. So uh, that's a very good thing. We would just encourage you, if you're led, to help out in that way to do so. Also, the Salvation Army Modesto Corps Thanks for Giving Dinner is scheduled for Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, at noon, and that's at the Modesto Center Plaza. So volunteers are asked to join in the activities there. So uh, the Salvation Army Modesto Corps providing assistance with emergency food, noon meals, uh, information and referral, disaster aid, meals on wheels, all kinds of great things taking place there. And if you have any questions about any of these items, please feel free to call our good friend Barbara Borbis. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. Or you can always give us a call here at ABC. We love to talk to you. 544-9571 is our number, 209-544-9571 would be happy to talk to you as well. Well, tonight we are minding our P's and Q's, and we would encourage you to do the same. Did you know that anything you say can and will be So I have to behave myself you. tonight. Is Did that you hear what saying? I said? I heard it. Yeah, right. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> but we are just bummer. honored, bummer, and privileged to have with us uh, the District Attorney of Stanislaw County, Brigitte Flatiger. Brigitte, thank you again for taking the time, because we know you are busy. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're just thrilled to have you here. Now, was there... Um, like a major influence in your life early on, or was it encoded in your DNA that you would be into the law and justice system, or how did that come about in your life? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, my dad was queer Navy, 
He was a military officer, so that's how I grew up as a kid, and we moved around the country uh, the entire time I was a child. Mm. Decided to be a lawyer when I was in junior high, and the only reason for that, I was watching television, and I watched a show called The Paper Chase. Oh, oh my. Uh, Wasn't that a great program? That was a great program, and <laughs> yeah. there was a young woman who was going yeah. to law school, and I thought, I should be able to do that, and I got lots of support from my mom and dad, and there was no question that if I wanted to do that, they would help me do it. So I found myself going to law school thinking that I would be an international lawyer. I wanted to travel. I spoke French. That, to me, was what was exciting. Mm. But I took international law classes in law school, and I found out that there really, my sense was there was no such thing as international law. People would agree and then not follow up on promises. Mm. There was no accountability. It it did not keep my attention. And um, so I joined the Navy after law school, became a JAG officer, had a taste of prosecution, and... And that was it. I loved it. Well, the corpsman over here just got impressed with the, <laughs> Very, with the JAG thing. Yes. In fact, he's starting to get a little nervous about that, right? Well, you know, it, now, <laughs> now here's <laughs> here's a major difference. You know, uh, Brigitte is there watching the paper chase and becomes a lawyer, seeing the lawyers. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Sheriff John and became a cop. Well, you know? there so, you go. Uh, um, back to the movies and stuff and the TV series. What about... L.A. Law. I remember watching stuff like that, and then, of course, now you have the what is it CSI? My, you know, are those like true to life? Oh, I mean, you know, I'd like- love to say they're true to life because uh, they're so exciting to watch. But you know, the real life, the real thing is can't compare. Uh, in moments, it is much more exciting, much more dramatic, much scarier from time to time. Mm. But it's also a lot more boring on a daily <laughs> basis. <laughs> Brigitte, the, uh, let us talk a little bit about the responsibilities of a district attorney. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an elective office mm-hmm. and uh, one that uh, you campaigned well for. Mm-hmm. And we're happy to see you uh, uh, take office there and, and have the privilege, uh, local pastors, to uh, pray over you yes. and, and Sheriff Christensen as, yes. as you took office. Talk a little bit about your responsibilities and uh, in case people may if they just have an idea from what they see on TV. Let's talk about the real world and what a DA does. <laughs> the real world uh, for a DA, it's a very administrative type of function uh, on a very basic level. You, you see on TV district attorneys that are running back and forth to the courtroom trying cases, and that's what's exciting, and that's why people become prosecutors and why I became a prosecutor, because you, you're affecting people's lives, you're holding people accountable, you're helping victims of crime and their families. That's exciting, and that's adrenaline-pumping stuff. Uh, but then as you work your way up in the office, you become an administrator, a supervisor. You deal with personnel issues, financial issues. Uh, and then when you run for district attorney like I did, you make a decision, at least I made a decision, that I wanted I wanted a really great DA's office, and I wanted an office where people wanted to work, and I wanted an office that people would look up to. And I felt under those circumstances I needed to run, given what was happening at the time. So I made that decision. It's an exciting job. It's something that I never thought I would do. Uh, It means that you're out dealing with people in the community more than Mm -hmm. I had ever been before. I've seen more of the county in the last year and a half Mm -hmm. uh, than I ever had before. I've dealt with more people. I've come to know members of the Board of Supervisors, chiefs of police, folks in the community. So what I realized was uh, with 16 years as a prosecutor in this office, I never got out of the courthouse. Mm. My entire life was inside the courthouse. So right now, I feel like I've learned so much about the community in the last year and a half. That's been a blessing to me. It's like I really understand the community much better than I ever did before. 
A lot of pressure for prosecutors. I mean, the caseload is absolutely incredible on both both sides of the fence for the uh, uh, the public defender's office. I mean, they're besieged with cases. The prosecutors are besieged with cases. How, how do you handle that? That kind of load, I mean, that, there's a lot of pressure there, right? There's a lot of pressure, and uh, being a prosecutor is not for everyone. Uh, the work never stops. I see folks in the office working late at night. I see them there on the weekends. If you want to do a good job, you put in as much time as is necessary to do the job that needs to be done, which means on some cases you're there every single day, seven days a week till 1 or 2 in the morning doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. When you deal closely with the families, you become affected to some degree by the um, by the trauma and the grief that they sure, experience. Yes. As a prosecutor, you need to distance yourself to some degree or you're less effective in the courtroom. So that's a struggle for my prosecutors is to, to be empathetic but be able to distance themselves at the same time in order to be effective, aggressive advocates. It's a, it's a balancing act. And, you know, Brigitte, you being out in the community as you are so much is not only, I mean, it is a blessing to our community. We see you out in the community. We see you active in the community. And what a blessing that is to Modesto and the surrounding areas. Because Modesto probably looks similar to many of the cities and communities that may be listening in because our footprint goes globally, actually, as as mentioned earlier. Um, And how does that look like? What does that look like as you probably have networked with other communities? Can you compare at all? You know, I I can to the extent that um, I can talk about how law enforcement gets along in this community. Mm. We have a wonderful relationship with all of our local law enforcement agencies, uh, the chiefs of police, chief probation officer, parole officer Mm. uh, for the county. Um, myself, we, we meet monthly. We discuss issues of law enforcement as they relate across the county. We have a very good working relationship. There's a lot of trust. And what I can tell you is from my conversations with elected DAs in other counties, not just in California but throughout the country, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. There can be some suspicion. There can be some distrust. Um, and that's not a good thing. How unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I think we're blessed in this area. I mean, you look at it, you look at the footprint of Stanislaus County. You cover a, a wide geographical area. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a this is a big place, you know. And we talk about Modesto, but your responsibility is is uh, for the whole county. And uh, as uh, as we've uh, you know been connecting with uh, various law enforcement agencies throughout the county in a variety of different ways, what we what we've been impressed with today is the cooperation, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we see. Uh, you, you know, you see uh, Chief Wasden and, mm-hmm. and uh, the Sheriff uh, Christensen and, and uh, all, all these major players coming together. And, and it seems like, you know, we're, we're not in an era where the egos are, you know, fighting for territory and, and one-upsmanship. We really sense that it's a team effort, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, let, let's talk a little bit about... What you think needs to be done to preserve that and and your contribution to seeing that that that, that continues? You know, the most vital aspect of it, I think, is communication. Just for like any relationship, you need to have an open dialogue. 
communication lines have to be open. You have to feel free to pick up the phone or drive over and walk into someone's office and say, well, this is our issue. This is how we need to deal with it. And it's not just the top law enforcement officials that have to have that open relationship and be able to trust each other. It has to trickle down mm-hmm. to their senior staff sure. and to the officers on the street and how they get along with the deputy prosecutors. Uh, and I think if we walk the walk and we show that we're cooperating at the upper level, that it necessarily flows for the folks that are working on the streets and in the courtrooms. Mm. One of the neat things that we've used as, as chaplains quite a bit is uh, out of uh, your office, it's, uh, I think, a segment of, of what you do, and that is a, uh, a, a small team that helps victims of violent crimes. And yes. I'll tell you, they, they have... I've been out there like at 2.33 in the morning, <laughs> yes, and, and yeah. you know, we have a, a victim, and, and I, I tell you, I call them at that hour, and they're always very gracious. I don't know how gracious I am when I answer the phone at <laughs> 2 or 3 <laughs> well, in the morning. I hope I'm, I'm okay. I'm sure I don't you know. are. I'm sure but, you are. But uh, th- they have just been absolutely incredible. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what that unit does and, and its value to the community. It's an incredibly important aspect of the office. It's called our Victim Services Unit, and I've got about 10 victim advocates that work within it. My um, leader of that unit is Gay McDaniel. And uh, these are folks who really care about victims of crime. Mm -hmm. And their job is to liaison with the victims. As soon as we get police reports in where someone's been a victim of a crime, their job is to make contact as soon as possible by phone, hopefully, if not by letter, advise them that they have certain rights as a victim of crime. They have the right to apply for compensation for medical bills, that kind of thing. And then if there's a court case that comes out of it, they act as um, the liaison between the victim and the deputy prosecutor so that they can keep the victim apprised of court dates, when they need to come to court, what they need to expect. Mm. If it's a serious case where someone's been killed, for example, the family member has the right to get up and give a statement at the time of sentencing. So the victim advocates can help them draft those statements, which are powerful statements, Mm. incredibly important to convey to the judge and to convey to the defendant exactly what damage he's inflicted on other humans. Mm. So they need help putting those statements together. If we have long-term trials and we've got victims' families who sit in the courtroom through the length of the trial, my victim advocates will sit there in the courtroom with them. They'll walk with them to court and away Mm -hmm. from court every day so they don't feel abandoned or alone or nervous in the courtroom. That is so cool. Yeah. Is this a, is this kind of a, as you look over the past couple of decades, is this kind of a new concept or has it always been around? It has not always been around. Yeah. Victims' rights really came to the forefront, I would say, in the mid to late 70s, mm-hmm. and there was a big push. It needs to continue to be a push, a push because it can fall sort of to the wayside. We had a new uh, position authorized by the Board of Supervisors for an additional victim advocate in our June budget, which was desperately needed because the funding that we get through the state that funds that program has been diminishing. Mm. But the workload, obviously, has been increasing substantially. So we got the acknowledgement from the Board that they realize this is an important program and they are helping to fund it so we can keep it going. You know, you, you don't realize until you've been a victim or a family member has how um, ominous the system is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can really get swallowed up by it and, and, mm-hmm. and pushed aside and intimidated. It's frightening. What actually a frightening. wonderful resource. Yeah. yeah. Even just to walk into the courthouse mm-hmm. and go through metal detector and realize that there are family members of the defendant who may be around, it's very frightening for some people. Exactly. 
exactly. You know, we'll not soon forget, Bridget, the day that you came into the uh, CMN or the City Ministry Network meeting and shared with us, you enlightened with those in attendance that day, some of the uh, misconceptions I think that the general public and a lot of us have about the family justice system. Uh, and, and maybe if you could just share maybe some, some more of those and, and, and in terms of the relevancy and uh, the importance as it stands out to you. Sure. Uh, Let me give listeners. you two examples of some misconceptions that I've come across and why I think it's so important to be out there in the community and share what we do so that people don't think that the DA's office is just like what you see on Law and Order because it's, it's obviously not. Um, I've had people, when I explain to them that we cannot file charges against someone unless we absolutely believe they're guilty, number one, but number two, that we believe we have enough evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury of 12 people. If I don't have both of those things, we do not file cases. And I've had people say to me, really? I mean, you have to think they're guilty to file charges, <laughs> which is shocking. And I think, where are they getting this? You know, we're certainly not in school, I hope. So that's a misconception. Um, there's there's a belief that, you know, we seek um, convictions just to put notches in our belt, and that's not the case at all. We're seeking justice for crime victims. We're trying to hold people accountable. And so part of that is how we dispo cases. We won't take every case to jury trial, partly because we file over 16,000 cases a year. We don't have enough attorneys, courtrooms, or judges. Uh, but most of the time, people actually, they realize it's to their benefit to plead guilty. They accept responsibility. The judge will impose a sentence, or we may recommend something. So the vast majority of our cases resolve that way. Some people take issue with it. They think that we should get more time on certain defendants. They think we shouldn't dismiss one case for a plea in another case. But these are all part of the balancing act that we take into account when we make a decision of how to proceed on a particular defendant. Um, and, you know, it depends on the defendant, depends on the defense attorney and the DA and how they communicate what's actually happening in the case and who's involved. So those are things that people don't understand. Um, we are trying to get a family justice center off the ground here in Stanislaus County. They have a couple up and running in San Diego. They've got one in Alameda County. Uh, they've got one down in Anaheim. And the idea behind this is that we can do more for victims of crime. We can do more for victims of child abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, and elder abuse. These kinds of crimes make people afraid to come to court. They're afraid to report to law enforcement. It's hard to get through the system. Uh, if they make a report of a crime, they may end up being interviewed two or three different times, having to go to different agencies for support. Um, in this county, we have a care center, which we're very proud of. And this was um, put together, I think we've had it in existence for at least five years now. And the idea is if a child's been a victim of assault, they can go to one place and be interviewed one time by a professional mm. interviewer, be observed through a one-way glass by the detective and by a deputy DA who, through a microphone, can suggest questions to the interviewer so the child doesn't go through multiple interviews. Mm. Awesome. Yes. They can do a um, physical exam at the center. Mm -hmm. It's a child-friendly place, so all services in one place. The idea for the Family Justice Center is to do that for all victims and bring in all players including law enforcement, social services, victim advocates, the women's shelter, a one-stop shop, essentially. Right. That, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, in, in decades past, mm-hmm. uh, victims unintentionally got beat up by the system. Yes, they did. Really, you know, the multiple interviews. First you go through the trauma, and, and then you have the, the trauma of reliving that in front of, you know, different strangers and such. Mm-hmm. And what, what a wonderful uh, wonderful concept. We've, we've really come a long way, haven't we? We really, from, we really yeah. have. It's still not a system that I'd want to be in as a victim, sure. quite frankly. Sure. But, it's but we learn. We're, we're learning, aren't we? We are learning, and we're getting better. Yes. Yes, and and we have lots of needs as as a system, don't we, Bergen? We really do. And, and we'd like for you to share some of those needs with us as we go along throughout the course of our time together uh, tonight. And I, I, we loved what you shared with us because as a volunteer agency here uh, and as we connect our volunteers with opportunities to serve, uh, we would love to connect with some of our volunteers here at ABC with some of the opportunities that you have at the Family Justice Center with, with doing just that. Well, we certainly, we're going to be need, needing help. We, Carol Shipley is my assistant DA. She's working hard to pull this together. She's got volunteers working in different committees. She's got a fundraising committee. She's got a governance committee, a public awareness committee. And all of this is coming together. We're very excited. And we are going to need volunteers who are willing to volunteer at the center once we get it up and running. And that's to, whether it's helping with paperwork, whether it's, um, spending time with children who are there while their mother or father is being uh, assisted, whether it's uh, participating with our victim advocates, giving support to people when they come to court. We're going to have a lot of needs. There's something very special about this community and something very special going on here within Stanislaw County. Would you agree? I really would. There, There's a desire, and you can see it and feel it, where people want to work together, they mm-hmm. want to make a difference, and they want to help. And I don't think we have that all over the place, but we certainly have it here. You know, you're talking about uh, the decisions that you have to make uh, as w- with with your team, and I would imagine you get a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks <laughs> who tell you what you should have done. Uh, how do you deal with all that? You know, I mean, uh, you do need some affirmations once in a while. How, how, how do you deal with all that feedback that you get? Well, you know, and I got one today. Actually, there's a letter to the editor in today's paper. It wasn't very nice. Um, you know, and what I tell myself is this. Everyone has a right to have an opinion, and they have a right mm. to share it. And based, people tend to make some of these conclusions based upon what they read in the paper. And quite frankly, you know, you, not everything makes it into the paper. And for criminal cases, very little makes it into the paper. Sure. And when we resolve a case or make a decision not to file a case or, or not pursue it, Ethically, I'm prohibited from going out and explaining in detail to the public why I settled this case this way uh, or why I chose to file charges or not file charges because I'm not supposed to say anything that would impact the jury pool or have an impact on a case. Um, So it's a little frustrating to not be able to respond to some of it. But what I tell myself is this. I do the best job I can, Mm -hmm. and my staff, the attorneys, the investigators, my victim advocates, paralegals, clerical, all of them, they're doing the best they can. They know that we are there to do the right thing for the right reasons to the right people at the right time. Uh, And we have a mission statement that's on each floor of the building, which says, seek justice, serve justice, do justice. That's what we're about. And people may disagree with a conclusion that we came to, but they don't know the reasons necessarily why we came to it. We do. 
and we know we make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. At least we try to as Mm -hmm. often as we can. Amen. You know, our God certainly cares about justice, doesn't he? He does. He certainly does. You know, we are so enjoying our special guest this week, Burkett Flatiger, and our very own Stanislaw County District Attorney, and we've got much more. And uh, we are going to be back with her right after we listen to a song from Casting Crowns, and we think you're going to like it. It's called The Word is Alive. We'll be back right after on Lighthouse Live.
Stanislaw County District Attorney Brigitte Flatiger. Great stuff there. Well, welcome back, friends. And wherever you happen to be listening, we're just glad to have you with us. You know, Brigitte, as, uh, as we're thinking about the, the scope of your duty, of course, two of the, um, the bywords right now in, in our community is, as people are looking at, at issues that, uh, that plague our community, of course, gangs and, and meth are right. always mm. at the, at the top. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, how your office is addressing those issues and, in, in coordination with other uh, county agencies and city agencies. I have to say that the, these are two huge problems, not just for our county, but obviously all the surrounding areas and across the country. Um, we have, uh, a, Excuse me. We have a DA investigator who's assigned to the Gang Impact Task Force in the county. That's a task force that is comprised of law enforcement officers from the Modesto Police Department, Sheriff, Series, Turlock, all the different agencies. Uh, and in addition, I've got two attorneys assigned full-time to prosecute gang crimes. We used to have three, and I'm hoping to get that mm. boosted back up to three probably by spring, we're hiring. I have three new attorneys that are supposed to start the week after Thanksgiving. So once we get them trained, we'll do some rotations. And I, and I want to boost that team back up because, quite frankly, we have a lot of gang crime cases that are filed that need to be prosecuted. They tend to be very complicated, very serious, multi-defendant cases. We need experienced prosecutors handling them. So these are prosecutors that work hand-in-hand with the task force police officers to give them guidance on search warrants and that kind of thing. Uh, I could probably keep five or six attorneys busy just doing those cases. Um, for the On the drug side of it, again, a huge problem. Uh, we have a DA who's assigned to the Stanislaus Drug Enforcement Agency. He advises law enforcement on search warrants, wiretaps, that kind of thing. He handles some of the major cases that we prosecute. It would be nice to have more prosecutors that can focus on these specialized areas uh, the more prosecutors I get, the more I can do. But with budget constraints, obviously, going to say budget. We, budget, we can't, we can't, we can't do it. So it just means we have to work smarter and work harder, and really keep an eye on our resources. At the end of the day, Birgit, 
and you go home to your family. How hard is that for you? Um, you know, the job to me is so important, and I love doing it because I think it matters. Mm-hmm. And the people who work in my office are extraordinary folks, each and every one of them. So I love the job. I love being there. Um, I like the fact that we really make a difference in the community. Um, and when I go home, you know, it's actually hard to leave the job behind, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's not fair either, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I struggle with in terms of just letting go, trying to delegate more. <laughs> so you have, a, you have a family that needs to participate in terms of being understanding, uh, you know, showing grace. And, exactly. And I, I'm sure your, your husband has to uh, give up a lot of things to, uh, you know, to help you do your job. And, and so there is that, that balance sometimes that, that's hard to achieve, isn't there? There, there is, because yeah. this is an all-consuming job, and it, at least it's that way for me, mm-hmm. and that's the way I approach it. And so my friends and family, they know that that's how I approach it, and um, they're very forgiving of that and patient. And it's it. great when you can have teamwork on both sides, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Birgit, uh, obviously, uh, at least in this county, the DA's office has been kind of a man's world for ever. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, uh, not not quite since the ARC, but uh, quite a while anyway. Uh, in, any special challenges uh, for you as a woman coming into that job? Or uh, has has everybody been pretty gracious and, and uh, acclimated? You know, I think that they've been very gracious, and we I actually came here from a special reception that we had at my office today at 3.30, and it was designed to honor the former district attorneys in our county. Right. And Frank Pearson, mm-hmm. who was DA from 1955 to 1961, was there. Al oh. Wolf, DA from 61 to 73. Don Stahl from 73 to 96. And then Pat Brazelton was there on behalf of Jim Brazelton, who passed away in September. Um, And Jim was DA from 96 to 05. So we had never had any sort of historical documentation, no pictures, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so what we now have in our lobby, in our brand-new building, are photographs of those four gentlemen. Those are the pictures we could get. We have a plaque beautiful plaque with a badge on it, and then engraved plaques um, naming each of the prior district attorneys in this county going back to the 1800s when they first started. And these gentlemen were there this afternoon. What and an were, awesome day for it was, all of It you. was amazing. It was really amazing. They were so touched and proud and said uh, to, to a man that really the job they liked the best was being a prosecutor, was mm. being a deputy district attorney, was trying cases. And so I'm looking at these three gentlemen and, and remembering Jim. And, yeah, I am the first woman doing the job, and that's different. It is different. But, you know, I don't think that it's – I don't think people look at me, and that's the first thing that they think of is what's she doing awesome. as district attorney. Of course not. How did this encourage your heart today? You know, it just made me very proud to be part of something yes. that I think is so important and is historical in this county. And – to have done something to help these gentlemen feel proud and feel remembered, mm-hmm. and they brought family with them, so their family got to see it. It was very touching. Mm-hmm. I bet it was. As you look at uh, again the scope of of what you do, Birgit, what 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 really yanks your chain about going to work? I mean, what what one or two things about your job? Just you know, I I love going to work because. 
Oh, there's there's a bunch. Um, because of the people. Mm. Mm. They're wonderful mm. people, as I said before. Um, I love interacting with other folks. I like having an impact on the criminal justice system. Mm. I like making sure that it works. I really enjoy when we have new prosecutors and we're training them and they're learning how to be a prosecutor. They're learning how to behave in a courtroom, how to be effective. But more importantly, they they begin to learn the lesson of how to make a difference in a victim's life, how to deal with a domestic violence victim when she hates you more than anything. I mean, I've had some domestic violence victims where I was prosecuting the cases. They didn't want me to prosecute. Um, boy. That's a tough one, It's huh? a tough position oh, to be goodness. in because you're trying to protect them and do the right thing and protect their children and protect the community, and they're very much opposed to it. So as you have young prosecutors learn this lesson, it's it's fun to watch. What uh, what would you recommend? And I don't, we don't know who's listening around the world here, you know, but uh, at least for uh, for this county and from your experience, what do young people need to do to prepare for this particular profession? What what uh, kind of life experience would you suggest for them? Aside from law school. Aside from law school, <laughs> uh, you know. Th- the more they can experience in life, the better. And by that, I mean, don't just be in the books. You need you need to get out and talk to people, volunteer with various organizations, get a feel for what the community is all about. You'll have a better understanding. You'll be able to speak to a jury more convincingly and compellingly if you realize that those 12 people on the jury come from different backgrounds and if you have some ability to communicate with them. So it's a real-world sort of experience, whether you're volunteering or getting a job at you know a fast food place where you deal with people on a daily basis. Because being a prosecutor really is all about being able to communicate effectively and persuasively with people and caring about something. And in this case, it's caring about justice and serving the community. You know, I, I think there, there are two professions, um, and, and you're part of one, Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where you need to have some life experience mm-hmm. to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is law enforcement. Yes. You know, uh, uh, I just, when I was serving in Southern California, there was a lot of guys who, you know, were the, in the Explorer program at 14. They became cadets. They went right into the police mm-hmm. academy. And they had no idea that people out there had feelings. And, uh, you know, there's they didn't know that some people weren't really named Pinhead. You know, that's... <laughs> That's what they thought their names were. You know, they just didn't have any life experience to, you know, where you have to, you know, work work to earn your money and you may not know where your next paycheck's coming from. Or, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of life experience that I think goes into being a good cop. And the other is, is for pastors. And I, yes, you know, I'm, I'm yes. big on the fact that pastors coming out of seminary ought to do mm-hmm. something different mm-hmm. for two or three years, mm-hmm. you know, just to get some life experience so you understand what real people, and I mean, not that we're not real people. Now, you don't need to comment I, on that. I, Elaine, I'll refrain. I know. Elaine was going to make a comment on <laughs> no. that. But, yeah, you know, yeah. you really need to learn how. So I really appreciate your comments there, Bergen. Mm, yes, I think it's so yes. important. And, and I love the way you, you talked about volunteering, you know, to really yes. get in touch with uh, what the community is doing and have the, having the feeling of sacrificing a little bit of yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to to improve it. And you get, you know, get your thumb on the pulse of what the community is all about. Exactly. And each one's uh, a little bit different. Amen. Friends, you're tuned into Lighthouse Live. We thank you for that, and we'll have more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, 
Thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities, 
Faith in Action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live and so glad to be with our special guest, Brooke Flatiger, District Attorney of this great county of Stanislaw. And, uh, you know, Birgit, when we were... Uh, had the extreme opportunity to uh, listen to you share that morning at the uh, meeting that we were all at. You were sharing with us some of the needs that you have at the Family Justice Center for volunteers to come in and do some monitoring and answering phones and things like that. And it just makes me think about how much more effective maybe we could be as the body of Christ as we sit in the churches and, and we can maybe, maybe step out of the walls of our, our homes and our churches and, and maybe get involved and, and maybe come down to the courts and, 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 and maybe spend a little time and do some of these things and, and make a difference. So how could we take that first step? We have some listeners tonight maybe wondering how they can do that. How would you encourage them to do that? Well, the easiest way actually would be just to give a phone call to our office, which is area code 209-525-5550, and let them know that you'd like to volunteer uh, and you're interested in assisting with the Family Justice Center. And what we'll do is we'll forward that information on Carol Shipley. Mm -hmm. And once we get it up and running, we're going to find out. We'll contact you and say, what is it you want to do? We actually can use help. We take volunteers and we use them primarily in, say, our victim services unit, folks who'd like to help answer phones, that kind of thing. Uh, and so there's a volunteer program. You go through the county and apply and indicate you'd like to volunteer in the DA's office. We get those applications and review them. There's a background investigation that's done by our investigation staff because you're working with privileged confidential information it's in our It's pretty office. painless, right? It's really yeah. pretty painless. Yeah. Um, so we actually take volunteers to help with that. We're looking at trying to get some other programs off the ground, something that's called the um, Court Watch. I've talked to Stanislaus mm-hmm. State. They have a um, criminal justice division there, and they're willing to help out in this area. And the idea is to pull together some people who are interested in paying attention to the criminal justice system. And maybe retired folks, for example, might be good choices who can come to court And as part of a group, and you have a little badge that says court watch, you sit in the back of different courtrooms and you watch what happens. You watch what the judges do in various cases. You watch the prosecutor. You watch the public defender. You make observations. And then they generate reports maybe at the end of the month that said this is what we observed in the courtrooms. And the idea behind that is that there's more accountability in the courthouse, that judges and attorneys are aware that it's not just their courtroom, that other people are there and they're paying attention so that when things are done in criminal cases, for example, there's maybe more explanation about why they're happening. Uh, because so much of what happens, nobody ever knows about because the reporters for the paper aren't in there every day in every courtroom by any means. They might sit in and watch a part of one case and then write a story. Well, there are thousands of cases being resolved every month in that courthouse that no one really knows about. And I'm happy to have people come and watch and pay attention and say, you know what, can't we maybe be a little more professional in how we treat each other? Can't we be a little more equitable? You know, shouldn't there be more attention paid to the victims as they're sitting in a courtroom? Shouldn't they be treated appropriately? Uh, And the only way to really make that happen, I think, is to bring in people who want to watch and learn the system 
not just criticize it, but are willing to learn about it, come in, watch it, and make valid criticisms about ways to make it better. Mm. So we're trying to get that program off the air, off the ground, and we're working, as I said, with Stan State to try and make that happen. Oh, I think this is a good thing. I yeah. think this would be very interesting for a lot of people to do. You know, it brings to mind, you know, the, the scripture in Isaiah, Pastor Mike, where he, he tells us, defend the widows and the orphans. I just think we should, more of us should become involved and interested in, in things like this. And so we would just would encourage you, dear friends at home, uh, this might be something that yanks your chain, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. And, and so this might be something that you would like to do. As a matter of fact, Birgit, we do have this opportunity on the AVC website and uh, with Carol's number there. So we we do hope that people are calling and uh, just uh, would encourage uh, people to uh, to do just that. Birgit, uh, before we uh, before we go and we're bumping the clock a little bit now, our hour goes by very quickly. Uh, the faith based community, uh, how important is that to you? And and uh, what would you encourage uh, people in our churches to do in terms of just getting a little more involved in what's happening uh, in in the community and, and partnering with government? I think it's very important. Um, the I like to say, you know, we I can't prosecute my way out of crime, and I know that Chief Wajin and Sheriff Christensen have said the same thing. You can't arrest your way out of a problem. We have so little resources given the extent and breadth of the problems that we have in this community. Law enforcement alone can't do it. It really takes efforts from the civilian side uh, to help people before there is a problem, before they start committing crimes, to get involved with children at a young age, to reach out to families that are having problems. Get into the schools, volunteer in the schools, talk to the kids, be a mentor. If you have someone that you know is going through a a difficult, um, say, domestic violence relationship, don't pretend that it's not happening. Get in there and talk to them. Just let them know that you're there to help. There's so much that can be done by the faith-based community. Get out there and just show you care, make the offer, be a safe haven um, to folks who need it, and then reach out and, and participate. Mm. Come Be part of Court Watch or call the Haven, the Women's Haven, and offer to do some assist for the women there. There's a lot that can be done, and there's a lot of people out there, I think, given the chance, they'd help. Well, and Elaine, as, as we've talked about many times, the door is open right now Absolutely. for government. Uh, Their arms are wide open to work with a faith-based Absolutely community, and we need to walk through the door. Yes, indeed. And, Brigitte, I know we prayed for you before, but very quickly before we have to close, how can we uh, pray for you and continue to pray for you and your family? You know, um, anything you can do. <laughs> I just, you know, it's it's a tough job, and... I want to keep doing it for a good long time, at least as long as I'm doing a good job, as long as people think I'm doing a good job. Um, So the idea is we need to keep our eye focused on what the goal is and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Thank you so much for sharing. May God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Dear friends, thanks for listening wherever you may happen to be. Tune in next week. We'll have Karim and Sylvia from the Salvation Army Bavarian Center Homeless Shelter on 9th and D. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.